BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Renatura Radio. This is episode 517 coming to you on Wednesday, November 1st. We're going to preview USC and Washington, the Trojans, the Huskies, Locking Horns at the Coliseum, 430 PM on ABC on Saturday night. It's going to be a big one. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, including live here on YouTube. And of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever. As always, subscribe there and give us a review. That always helps. Email address, rainoftroyfanside.com. Phone number, 818 643 Seven two two seven. Second Whisper and Show. I'm your host Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, who doesn't remember our bits, Elisa Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, what, I was too what, busy. What's with the lack of energy. I was too busy reading the chat about how Richard has been listening to us on two times speed, and so now we sound really slow. And I was sort of giggling. We're gonna have to speed up. We're gonna speed up when we when we're we're talking. Talk can, 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 can you do this? <laughs> I, I yeah, yeah. So I, I just, I the problem is, is that you start the show and you start doing your thing, and then my mind wanders to the chat or getting my notes ready or all of that kind of stuff, and then by the time I recognize that mm-hmm. you're already at the phone number, yeah. I've, I've missed uh-huh. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. 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 You miss that, but you know the Rotbots don't want to miss this opportunity from DraftKings. They're running a new promotion right now that you won't want to miss. Five bucks. Your first bet, and you instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when signing up. And using that code Reign of Troy not only helps you get those bonus perks, helps support the podcast, this one right here. Uh, of course, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling States, please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Reign of Troy is the code 
over at DraftKings. Um, Alicia, this is uh, a gigantic week because it's SC in Washington. The Trojans hosting number five Washington. We'll talk about where USC is in the rankings coming up in the news. Are you ready? I'm ready. We got to start with some injury updates first before we get to the rankings. Uh, Zion Branch out for the remainder of the season. We know that he got hurt up in Berkeley last week at Cal. Uh, he was spotted with on crutches uh, during the second half of the Cal game, and he will be out for the rest of the season. That's bad news for SC because I, I thought he played well against Utah. We, we saw moments of him uh, when he's gotten out there that have looked promising at safety. Uh, now it looks like it's going to be status quo for the Trojans when he sort of could have brought in some, brought some life to, to the defense. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate because, like you said, he could have been the kind of guy, the kind of freshman that, uh, well, redshirt freshman as he is, uh, that by the end of the season is taking over a starting job is sort of setting a new tone at the, at the safety position allows USC to have competition at that position. If the, if the veterans that are there aren't getting the job done, he was starting to slowly come into his own. He was starting to slowly get a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more trust and a little bit more playing time. And then, and then that happened. And now USC's in a, in a really tough spot because you don't have a lot of available um, other options. I, I suppose now you got to start crossing your fingers and hoping that maybe Christian Pierce is ready to, to start playing a little bit uh, as a you know true freshman that I, I think the intention is to is to redshirt him, but he was getting a lot of good reviews in the in, uh, in camp, so. That's maybe the new the new bright hope for USC if if that's something that happens. I'm just not like it, they're like he hasn't been getting playing time, so I'm assuming that uh, that that's sort of not that hasn't been or, or won't be part of the plan. Uh, it just it's just unfortunate, especially because Max Williams has been dealing with an injury for a while now, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Bryson Shaw is just somewhat limited in that role. So next to Kalen Bullock, you're 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 short on options. You're you're way more short on options than you'd like with a defense that's struggling as much as as USC's defense is. Yeah, the the good news for SC is Max Williams and Jacoby Covington were at practice on Wednesday, um, or Tuesday. Sorry, at practice on Tuesday and in pads for whatever that means. Um, media does not get to see practice. Uh, does not get to see if they were participating in full team drills or anything like that. So who knows what that means, but they were there. Um, maybe that could, could bode well to have an extra body there at safety in, or in the, in the DB area, uh, just being able to, to mix and match well, one whether it be at nickel or, or true safety. One that's interesting is Jacoby Covington did, I believe he played safety at Washington somewhat early in his career so maybe that's another thing that you can you can mess around with you can 
uh, try out uh, to sort of fill in guys like Jacoby Covington, like you know Christian Roland Wallace was being talked about as somebody that was being moved around you into could play different both, yeah. into different positions. Um, depending on how they feel about Jalen Smith, uh, you could you could if if Jacob if you if you're not comfortable with Jacoby Covington playing safety, you could bring Jacoby Covington back at corner. And then have Christian Roland Wallace fill in at nickel if you're willing to move Jalen Smith or move Christian Roland Wallace or move Jacoby Covington. You you have to sort of you might have to work with your with your corners in a little bit of this way. The plus side, I suppose, is that the thing that we've been able to say about USC's defensive backs across the board is that there's a lot of versatility in terms of the kinds of, of roles mm-hmm. that, that these guys can play. Yeah. Uh, so Maybe that is is a is a potential solution, but I also like having said all of that. Just to be just to make it very clear, I don't expect USC to be creative. I don't expect USC to do anything on a sort of genius schematic level yeah. to fill this hole. I fully expect them to say, "Well, we're riding with with uh, Kalen Bullock and Bryson Shaw until the the cows come home," and and hope that Max Williams is healthy and just roll with three, which is sort of what they've been doing the whole time, but starting to to work in Zion Branch because Max Williams wasn't available. So uh, I'm expecting more of the same, but I would welcome some creativity here, some shuffling around, kind of like what they did on the offensive line because, I mean, mm-hmm. after that Cal game, we all know that the, the defense is just... I can't I can't step away from the word catastrophic, and when we saw a catastrophic offensive line performance, they shuffled the offensive line. Right. So may, maybe maybe there's an argument here to be shuffling the secondary a little bit, but my faith but, on that is low. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think there is there is grounds for it. You just have to you know be willing to do that. Is SC going to be willing to do that? Uh, I don't know, and I I think that when the defense is played the way that they are, I think you should be willing to try everything. You shouldn't just be super rigid. Uh, It's one of those things you might as well try something, right? I think Jalen Smith has done quite a... He's been quietly one of USC's better defensive players. He's had a couple, like low lights in terms of getting beat one-on-one, but a dude getting beat one-on-one is the least of USC's defensive problems at this point. Uh, I think Jalen Smith has been out there making plays and Christian Roland Wallace has been out there making plays. So I don't know, maybe try to put those guys on the field together more often. Yeah. Jalen Smith made the play on the two point conversion to mm-hmm. uh, win the game for the Trojans the other day. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Trojans in the secondary uh, not like they have to face anybody uh, world beatery. Um, hmm. Hold on, what's this? Oh, Michael Penix comes to the Coliseum today, uh, yeah. this week. So there's that. Uh, let's get to the other news, which is the rankings. The Trojans have debuted in the 2023 college football playoff rankings at number 20. 20. They're 24. Uh, in the AP poll, but 20 in the college football playoff rankings. What's what's your thought there? I think the rankings in general are sort of much different than the AP top 25. We've talked about this before, that the rankings are just different in the college football playoff because they can sort of start anew. They don't have to, like, look at last week's... um, At least they don't end up looking at last week's version and going from there. They can sort of 
start fresh. And the result is Ohio State, who's number three in the AP poll, is number one in the playoff rankings. Georgia's number number one in the in the AP poll. They're number two. And Michigan, who is number two, is number three. So there's a lot of changes up there. But you look at towards the bottom of the of the rankings. SC is now 20th in in the playoff rankings when they're 24th in the AP. Uh, but right ahead of them at 19 is UCLA, who SC will conclude the season against two weeks from now. Next week is number six, Oregon. And this week, number five, Washington. Easily the most difficult schedule remaining in college football. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to talk about the the difference between the rankings in the college football playoff and the AP, the AP is a bunch of voters who are scattered around the country who are quite frankly voting on different metrics. There, 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 there is not a consistent, there's not consistent guidance on how to fill out your AP top 25 ballot. You just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think the big difference that we see with the college football playoff is that this is people who are together in a room talking through and going through a very rigid process for determining where each team ranks and it creates a, a ranking that is probably just a reflection of of everybody is using the same rubric and that's going to help you sort of get to um get to get to where these rankings are uh relative to that rubric it makes sense that USC is 20th because they're going to be paying attention to a lot of advanced metrics. They're going to be paying attention to a lot of different sort of matchup questions, schedule questions, all of that. Instead of being a, this was your preseason ranking and we're going to adjust you accordingly, they're starting from zero. And when you look at USC, I know it's disappointing where USC is at from a USC fan perspective, but the advanced metrics bear out that USC is a top 20 team in college football at this exact moment. SP Plus has USC at 17th, FEI has US, sorry, SP Plus is 14th, FEI uh, is 17th, FPI is 17th, and Sagarin is 18th. So, like, the 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 formulas and all that kind of stuff support USC being, being top 20. I don't mind where USC is at in terms of being behind, um, you got to be behind Utah, Utah beat you fair and square, being behind UCLA, marginally whatever uh UCLA has significantly better defense than USC um they're both two both one-dimensional teams it's sort of hard to separate them at this point um but the fact of the matter is that USC is where they are because their record puts them there at seven and two and you will either beat Washington and stay in there or lose to Washington and fall out of there yeah yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to. If SC wins their th- three m- remaining games, they're going to be a top 10 team. Um, if they don't, then they won't. Um, th- this is such a weird fork in the road position for SC to be in because look, looking at the form in which SC has played, uh, it's easily one of those positions where you say, well, you know, they're, they're underdogs the next two weeks. It's uh, flip a coin against UCLA in in two weeks. Their seven and five is on the table, but also at the end, the opposite is also true. Of you know, this team could end up putting everything together. Would I bet on that? Not in a billion years, but it's there. So um, it's there. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens uh, starting Saturday. So let's get into it. USC and Washington. 
uh, the Trojans and the Huskies. The Trojans hosting uh, Kalen DeBoer and the Huskies, Michael Penix, uh, Romo Dunze. This is a absolutely loaded team uh, for the Washington Huskies, number five in the country, number five in the college football playoff rankings. Kalen DeBoer, year two, 19-2 as the head coach of the Huskies, of course, hired by Jen Cohen, USC's current athletic director, formerly Washington's athletic director. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, a guy that we put high on our on our tier list two years ago, uh, in part because he has had one of the weirdest coaching trajectories I've ever seen. Dude won national titles at the NAIA level, and I understand that the NAIA, NAIA level is you know, different than NCAA. I get it. But he won, like, he was dominant at that level as a head coach and then had to go to, like, all these small schools and sort of build himself up forever until he got to the point where he was at uh, uh, Fresno State as the offensive coordinator and then he went to Indiana as the offensive coordinator and then Fresno State as the head coach and ultimately Washington uh, as the head coach. And now he's 19-2 and through two years. So, they are rolling. They're absolutely rolling. Uh, 8-0 in in the season, 5-0 in the conference. Uh, 7th in SP+, 12th in, in FEI, 15th in Sagarin, which is interesting because they have arguably the best win of the season of anybody. They beat Oregon uh, at home in an absolute beautiful football game, 36-33. Um, beat Oregon at the death when the... Uh, the odds were against them. Penix leads them down on a, on a brilliant touchdown drive, and then the Ducks couldn't answer with a field goal to send it to OT. But some of the numbers don't necessarily look great for them when you look at Sagarin at 15th. Uh, Washington, October has been a weird month for them. Uh, last week against ASU, a bizarre game in which they won 15-7. to they nearly lost on the farm last week against Stanford. This is a team that easily uh, is playing for for a playoff bid and a national title contender, no doubt about it. Um, but they've had a weird month of October with with the Oakland, the Oregon win thrown in there. Uh, of course, they're led by quarterback Michael Penix, uh, completing sixty nine percent of his passes. 2,945 yards, 24 TDs, six picks. Quarterback ready of a buck 76.1. Number one in the country in passing yards per game at 368. And not only number one in the country in passing yards per game, he's number one in the country at passing by a wide, wide margin. Uh, by 30 yards. Sorry, 40 yards. 39 yards. That's how many more yards he throws per game. Uh, than anybody else in the country, which is wild. Uh, the Indiana transfer has been huge up in Montlake for the Huskies. Uh, it's a one-dimensional offense. They're not going to run the football much. The running game led by Dylan Johnson only has 430 yards on the season with six touchdowns, averaging 4.94 yards a pop. Uh, he's a, a Mississippi State transfer. Uh, he's the, the guy to keep an eye on the run, running game, but they're not going to run the football that much. This is a passing offense led by a wide receiver core that's probably probably the best in the country. I, I Up there at least. 
Uh, Romo Dunze, uh, 51 catches, 907 yards, seven touchdowns. Jalen Polk, 46 catches, 836 yards, and seven TDs. Jalen McMillan, 20 catches, 311 yards, three TDs. That triumvirate uh, is absolutely lethal. Um, it's Washington and Ohio State. It's probably the best receiving cores uh, in the country, and Washington's got the quarterback to throw to those guys. Um, at wide receiver also, there's Jeremy Bernard, 20 catches, 274 yards, and a touchdown. At tight end, look for Jack Westover, 20 catches, also 184 y- 185 yards, four TDs. So he's someone who can sort of wreak havoc uh, in the red zone. Uh, but you look at the numbers, Alicia, this is a horrible matchup for USC's defense. Uh, the Trojans are 113th in scoring de- defense, and they're now going up against an offense that averages 40.4 points per game. This is the number one passing offense against the 106th passing defense. What, what do you make of it? Because it doesn't look good when you look at Washington's strength against USC's weakness. Yeah, uh, the the graphic we have up on the screen right now uh, displays it pretty pretty thoroughly. There's a lot of uh, top ten ranks for Washington on offense, and a lot of bottom twenty five ranks for USC's defense. Um, it's it's not a good matchup at all. It's a it's a terrifying matchup. In fact, um, one of the biggest concerns that I have is that. USC's defense statistically looks pretty identical to to what it was uh, last year. But last year we had the added statistical element of USC having played UCLA and Notre Dame and Utah again and Tulane, all very very good offenses that USC played in the in the la- in the in the stretch of games looking forward from from the first 9. At this point in 2022, USC's defense was averaging 25.2 points per game allowed, which is not great, but but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. Uh, right now, USC's defense is allowing 32.6 points per game through nine games. So, you know, seven points worse off than where they were at this point last year with the best offenses that USC is going to face going forward. And certainly Washington's offense is is up there. The, you know, Michael Penix is... is the best quarterback, arguably, that USC will face this year, unless you want to argue that it's Bo Nix. But either way, it's one of those two guys that's going to be the best quarterback USC has faced. Um, this is going to be, I think, far and away the best receiving core that USC has faced, even having played Arizona, who has a very, very strong receiving core, and whose receiving core ripped USC to shreds, by the way, uh, with a quarterback in Noah Fafita, who is just far more limited as a passer than Michael Penix is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not good. I, th- I think the best thing you can say when you, when you look at the, the matchup here is that while well, you just gave up 49 points to Cal, but like how many more points can you actually give up? <laughs> you know, that's it, it, as we've been saying, uh, saying this year, like just because you gave up those points to Cal doesn't mean that, that Washington who is, 20% better on offense than Cal or or even 40% better on offense than Cal is going to score 40% more points. That That's sort of not the way it works. USC has to still just face the matchup in front of them. And the one good thing here to circle is the the rush the rushing game. 
This is a Washington team that is not very interested in running the ball and has not been particularly effective at running the ball. And the plus side for USC is that they've been extremely vulnerable to the run throughout this season. Mm -hmm. And that vulnerability has set them up to be to get in trouble in a lot of other ways. You know, you look at you look at the way the Cal game started, it's because the run game can't can't stop Jay Knott. Um I don't know that that will have to be something that USC is terribly concerned about in this game because because it will just be a passing attack. Yeah. But I also want to highlight one one thing like just because Washington chooses not to run a lot, just because Washington is like, you know what, we have Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and we're just going to chuck it around. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they can't establish a run game. You look at the Oregon matchup that Washington had, they run the ball 40 times in that game. They had 204 rushing yards in that game. They averaged 5.1 yards per carry in that game. So I think you're looking at the defense. Oh, That's, am I looking at the defense? Yeah, uh, uh, they they ran the ball 23 times for 99 yards. Okay, well uh, then four point three. That <laughs> so four point three yards per yards carry. For four point three yards per carry is not is not terrible uh, for a, a team that that just sort of isn't that interested in running. Um, Arizona State's the one that's really that really shut down their rushing attack, and I think it shows in in uh, that being the worst offensive performance of the season for Washington, but mm-hmm. USC doesn't have a defense that's capable of shutting down a rushing attack to the point where they can't even hand the ball off. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. What, what is the game plan here? Because we've talked about it before that the game plan should have been for sort of a flawed offense like Utah and Cal that the game plan should have been force the quarterback who is uh, embattled or maybe new in, in Mendoza's case, young and raw, force them to beat you, right? Like try to, the, the game plan in hindsight should have been stack the box, force them to throw on you. And if they throw on you, tip your cap, whatever, but do not give up the run because you know that they're going to lean on the run. I don't think you can possibly do that against Washington, right? Like you, you can, they're already giving you the run stoppage by not running as much as they could. Uh, so you just sit back and just defend the pass and just let them run. Like you just let them run into light boxes if they want to, because at that point, they're not throwing the ball to Odunze and Penix is not beating you with his arm and you just sort of force him into the run and you just go into like a, do you just run like a one five, five defense or something like that? Like, like what do you, what do you do here? How, how do you game plan to face this, this defense when they're so different than anything else SC has faced all year? Well, th- that's the problem though is, is have we ever seen USC sell out to try and stop the pass? No, like th- this is the diff- the difference between Grinch and Pendergast is Pendergast's thing, like his his little defensive kink was to go all in on forcing you to do one thing uh, and take away take away your strength, right? Grinch, we haven't seen that with Grinch at all. 
No, and I and I don't know that I expect him to do that in this game, although that would be inviting Washington to run, doing to Washington what teams do and have done to USC, where they say, you know what, fine, we we we, we don't want to get beat by your quarterback and we don't want to get beat by your by your receivers, so we're just going to, you know, drop eight and and see if you'll run and see if you decline to run like mm-hmm. USC has done uh, <laughs> to a frustrating degree. But you have to be willing to do that. And it feels right. like it goes counter to everything that Alex Grinch believes in, which I fully expect USC to be overly aggressive in this game and pin their ears back and try to get to the quarterback. But like USC hasn't been good enough at that. And a, a quarterback like Michael Penix is is good enough to counteract that with all the ways that you can counteract that by getting the ball out quickly, by having poison the pocket, uh, by doing screens and, and misdirection and all of those kinds of things. Uh, we haven't seen USC adjust to those kinds of uh, attacks from an offense. So I think as Rama Murdy in the chat says, blitz like crazy and hope to first force turnovers. That is 1 million percent what I expect from the defense in this game. I 100% expect USC to go out and say, screw it, we're just going to try and get as much pressure and create as much havoc as, as, as possible. And there's a universe where that works, I suppose, but it hasn't been working in nine games this season. <laughs> well, maybe one one or two games it's worked. Uh, I would rather see them go outside the box and, and yeah, do like you're saying, where, you know, force Washington to have to try and to... to to run the ball and take the ball out of Michael Penix's hands. Yeah. But even then, even then, let's say USC does that. Do I trust that USC's defense is well drilled enough to, if Kalen DeBoer recognizes, okay, look at they're, they're, they're selling out to stop the run. They're selling out, selling out to stop the pass. Let's, let's just run the ball. Am I confident enough in USC's defensive front? Am I confident enough in US in USC's tack- tackling for that not to backfire on USC as well? Like I, I just think this is a this is a, a incredibly difficult matchup that uh, that I don't I don't know if A or if Plan A or Plan B is truly viable when you just look at at, at what we know about USC's defense and what we know about Washington's offense. Well, let me let me kick this one out to you. Uh, turnovers. Washington has struggled uh, with turnovers. His turnover margin uh, in the month of October it was negative six. Um, they're they've had a positive turnover margin in only two games this year. That was week one against Boise State, week one against Cal, uh, week four against Cal. They are they are not forcing turnovers, but they are prone to sort of giving the ball away. Four turnovers in that game two weeks ago against ASU. I, well, somebody, uh, Kenny in the chat asked, what did ASU do to shut them down? Like, four turnovers is the answer. Yeah, they, they didn't. Uh, I I wish I would have gone back and watched the Matthew Loves Ball version of that game, and I didn't. Uh, but looking at, at just at the numbers here, uh, ASU had five tackles for loss and no sacks. They forced... Uh, they they forced four turnovers. So I'll, how did those turnovers? What was it? Was it them sitting back, or was it them being overly aggressive and maybe not making havoc outside of the turnovers? Um, I I I don't know enough. I I didn't watch that game, but like 
the turnovers are possible. And I think that that's the, that's the key for, for SC in this game is if they do get the turnovers, uh, because you can look at it one way and say, Hey, uh, yeah, SC gave up 49 points to a formerly third string quarterback in, uh, Fernando Mendoza, who was making his second career start. And so then what is Michael Penix? Who's a six year senior who has tons of experience and tons of experience in this offense because Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator in Indiana and all that. What is, what is that going to bode for SC's defense? It's got to be even worse. Right. And then I think you can also look at it and say, Cal scored on four straight drives in that first half in the Colorado game. Colorado scored on something like five straight drives in the, in the, in the second half. SC has already been gashed to smithereens. Washington can't necessarily do more than anyone has already done. Uh, they can. They obviously well, they can. can. Score 60. <laughs> they, they can score 60. They can score 70. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but like SC's already been blown to smithereens multiple times on defense. Uh, and so it, it, like we, we've already seen it. So like, like, is it truly going to be that much different than anything else? I don't know. I, I but, but it, it's, it's terrifying nonetheless for this defense. When you look at all the guys that they've got to figure out a, a way to cover. Um, I, I think the the difficult part for Washington, Washington here, when, when you look at how to defend them is that they remind me of the 2019 Trojans where that was a air raid style offense under Graham Harrell, right? Um, They weren't going to run the ball that much, but they were going to want to throw the ball a lot. And they had the three headed triumvirate of Michael Pittman, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vance. Uh, Oh, and this other guy named Drake London. I don't know if you've ever heard of him too. Uh, Four headed monster receiving core. What did that mean? It meant dudes were always open because if you double teamed Mike Williams, I mean, sorry, he played like Mike Williams. Uh, if you double played, double teamed Michael Pittman, Amonara was open. You double teamed Vaughn's, well, then Pittman was open. You double teamed any of those other dudes, and then London was open, right? This is what that, that receiving core is like for you, Deb. If you put all of your emphasis on stopping Odunze, well, then Polk and McMillan are going to eat. Like, that's the difficult part. This isn't like a Lane Kiffin-style receiving core where there is uh, Robert Woods and that's it. Or there's Marquise Lee and that's it. This isn't that this isn't that that thing. Like there, there are so many dudes that they can beat you in the air that even though they don't have the running game to sort of mix in with the passing game, I think the passing game is dynamic enough uh, with all the targets that they can, that they can throw out there, including the tight end Westover. And there's multiple tight ends that they'll, they'll even use that they can sort of spread it around that way and, and beat you that way. So uh, the the key for SC is yeah to emulate whatever the hell Arizona State did, try to find the funk that that Arizona brought to them uh, in Tucson a few weeks ago when they held them to thirty one. Try to you know get the magic of what Stanford did last week and nearly beat them, 
and then let your offense uh, go to work on this Washington defense. I think that's going to be SC's game plan um, because if this is a shootout, then yeah, SC has a puncher's chance because SC at quarterback has Caleb Williams. So and SC's at home, and and that that does count for something. Yeah. Uh, but when it, I mean everything boils down to USC's defense has not gotten yeah the stops that they've needed to get this year. Right. And the thing you can at least say about the Cal game is that they came out and got turnovers, and yeah. basically. USC needs to not just win the turnover battle because Washington has gotten really good at winning games despite losing the turnover battle. They've lost the turnover battle That's the last the scary three weeks. part, yeah. They need to win the turnover battle the way that, like, Notre Dame won the turnover battle against USC. Like, it needs to just be... Decisive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that I think that's the, the scariest thing, too, is that, yes, I think that's the key to beating Washington is forcing turnovers and forcing them to play... Um, a game that isn't clean, but they still win even when they when they get into those situations. And I think that you put it all together, and I'm sitting here looking at everything, and there's no football reason. There is no football reason for SC to SC's defense to play up to this Washington offense. And there's no football reason for SC to win this game. There just isn't. Like I I I don't know. What else to tell you? Like the yeah turnovers and yeah outscore them and all those things, but Washington is just better at everything that SC does. So uh, let's get into USC's offense because the Trojans do have the Rainy Heisman Trophy winner going up against a Washington defense that is good, not great. Thirty uh, second in SP Plus rankings. Uh, they're led by. Uh, a bunch of dudes. I don't think there's one star player here that that is worth the the say Michael Penix pedestal that the offense has, or the Romo Dunze pedestal that that the that the offense has. But there's just a bunch of good dudes uh, on on defense at linebacker. There's Ed Unfuan Ulofoshio. Writing that out in the the pronunciation guide uh, doesn't make it easier to read. Edufuan, uh, Edufuan, Ulofoshio. Ulofoshio. Yeah. See, Ulofoshio. I think it's yeah. You can get there. But the, the problem is writing it in the in the rundown with the pronunciation guide thing in there doesn't actually. It just help. sort of slows you down. Yeah, and, it just slows you down. Yeah. Uh, 56, 57 tackles. Uh, a pick three three and a half tackles for loss. Two sacks. He's the, he's the lead guy. Right there, inside linebacker, uh, on the, on the defensive line, uh, there's a familiar name, Tuli Latuli Gasanoa. This is w- great. One of the greatest names of all time. We had to learn how to say his name in 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 recruiting, so and it's it, great. I so loved it. I was so sad when when SC didn't get him because his name is so it just rolls. Latuli Gasanoa. Latuli Gasanoa. It's a great name. It's 100%. great, and he's he's become a, a pretty pretty solid defensive tackle. Yeah, that USC could have definitely used <laughs> yeah he's um, your he's your space eater seven tackles yeah. uh one tackle for loss but he's been a key contributor for for the huskies even though he's not necessarily been productive in the stat book uh braylon trice is sort of that guy on the edge three and a half tackles for loss two and a half sacks six hurries um they they have a couple different little wrinkles on their depth charts there's a husky um, position, which is sort of like a nickel hybrid linebacker safety thing. Uh, and, and that's Mishael, Mishael Powell, 
uh, a guy to, to keep an eye on a couple of picks so far this year. Uh, Jabbar Muhammad at corner uh, is probably the guy to circle because he's the team leader in tackles for loss and uh, pass breakups, six pass breakups, five tackles for loss, two sacks uh, as a corner. So he will blitz you off the edge, which I think could be something to worry about uh, for SC because if he's able to just jam into the backfield uh, and we, we've seen times where Caleb Williams has either one of two things. Either he has an eternity to sit there and throw, or he's just has no time and he's got to get out of the pocket ASAP. And I think if you add a corner blitz to that, that might be interesting from a defensive perspective. And I don't know how SC would handle those things. So, uh, could you see more plays where, say, the running back is in to block and have to try to see if Muhammad comes in crashing in? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but the biggest problem for, for Washington's defense, well, biggest problem, I guess, is that they are susceptible to the pass. They're 118th uh, in pass defense, 264 yards uh, per game. Uh, they also do not cause a lot of havoc. They're 120th in tackles for loss per game, 126th in sacks per game, only 1.3 sacks per game. Their season high was last week with three against Stanford. They hadn't had more than one since week three. They struggle on third down defensively. Uh, they're 97th in the country at allowing 41.7% conversions for their opponents. And they're, again, they're not forcing turnovers. Washington is one of two teams in FBS who have yet to recover a fumble on defense, Indiana being the other. And they've also forced one fumble all season. Stanford is the only other team that has forced one. And those two are tied for dead last in FBS. So they're, they're not putting teams into positions to make mistakes. And I think that's one of the, the areas where, it has allowed Arizona to to hang around with them in Tucson as they did last month. It's allowed ASU to to stick around, even though ASU's offense is boober sauce. Uh, it allowed them to stick around and nearly win that game. It allowed Stanford, who has been absolutely jiggle bagged by SC and and Oregon and multiple teams this year, and yet they had a fighting chance to beat Washington. So. Washington's Washington's defense, good, not great, flawed, not flawed nearly on the level that SC's defense is, but flawed nonetheless. Yeah, this is a weird defense. This is a weird, weird, weird defense because they 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 bend quite a bit. Uh, they give up yards. They they let teams move down the field on them. One thing that they've done a significantly better job than USC on is red zone, um, red zone defense. They, you know, they're they're not like elite in in red zone defense, but they are top thirty. <laughs> I think they're thirty first in red zone defense. That's a big difference from, for instance, where USC is in that metric, uh, all the way down like one hundred twenty third. It matters that when the field gets gets small, when the spaces get tighter that they're getting stops and, and USC isn't. Um, but they are vulnerable. They are vulnerable and they 
have shown cracks in in the armor against teams like Stanford, which is sort of not a team that you would expect to be able to be putting up points on a on a Washington uh, defense. They, they they gave up quite a lot of points to Cal, for instance. Um, the uh, as much as we talk about USC's performance against Cal in this game defensively, and and it was indefensible. I, I'm gonna add, but. Uh, you know, Cal put up 32 points uh, on on this Washington defense. They've given up uh, 33 points to Stanford. They, you know, they they have weird vulnerabilities. Statistically, they have they don't make sense. This defense, specifically, because you know, there's some some stats going around about how they've been outgained in the last three games and they've won. Um, the opposing offenses are moving the ball just fine. Opposing offenses are are having joy in the passing game just fine, but they're they're getting the the key stops when they need them in in ways that we're just not seeing from USC, which is what sort of scares me quite a bit. Because if USC was a defense that just let you roll down the field and still got the stops that they needed, we would be having very very different conversations and. The front half of the 2022 season is sort of a really good example of that, where USC was letting you letting you know, opposing teams drive, but they were getting so many turnovers that effectively they were getting the stops that they needed, and that works out. And then suddenly the turnovers dry up, and you have no sort of answer for that. But it's not like Washington is just depending on turnovers. This this defense is not turnover dependent in the slightest. So they're getting just you know, good old fashioned stops in the red zone. And they're they're not vulnerable to the 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 big play in at least not in the same in the same way that USC is. Like they're giving up big plays. That's it's sort of why they're a middling defense. But the difference between Washington being a middling defense and USC being a catastrophically bad defense is is really on that. And I keep comparing it to USC's just specifically because USC's defense has to face Washington's offense and Washington's offense is elite and USC's defense is catastrophic. USC's offense is also elite and they're facing a Washington defense that isn't good, but they're not catastrophic. So the balance here in the matchup is... So it's a problem. So I, th- I think it's interesting because I think this is the kind of defense that I think would be perfect for SC's offense to have. Like, like well, you to, certainly to take this with, over what USC's given well, you now. No, yes, because like when you when you look at it, you're like, well, they, they don't cause havoc plays. They they don't get third down stops. They like how do they force they they don't force force turnovers. Like how do they get off the field? Like, and the the answer is. They just bend don't break because it's just, yeah, the, the percentages aren't well on third downs, but if you force enough third downs, you're going to get a stop, and that's what this defense is, is bend don't break like you like you mentioned. And so if you match that kind of defense with what SC has on offense, I think SC is, you know, a playoff contender. And lo and behold, you match this defense with what Washington has on offense, and guess what? They're a playoff contender, right? Like, this is... Uh, this is what it is. So this is an, a defense that is, I think, susceptible to playing in a shootout. I mean, 
Stanford essentially created a shootout up on the farm last week. So it's a it's an opportunity for SC to sort of try to get things going on offense. We saw the offense at times last week look really good and bounce back against Cal after having a few weeks of, of struggles. But SC scored 50 points and still punted seven times last week. They can get much better on offense. We need to see Caleb Williams in more of a rhythm than he has been. He threw for 369 yards uh, last week, two straight games where he hasn't thrown an interception, but he's got to still get in that rhythm where we saw him like at Rice Eccles last year uh, in a tough spot where he threw five touchdowns and the USC offense looked unstoppable, which is why Kyle Whittingham went for two at the end of the game, right? Like, SC's got to get into that sort of rhythm on offense if they're going to play a role of spoiler in this one. So can they do that? I think it's the question because when looking back at the Oregon game, I thought they held held Bo Nix in check just about as well as they could have. Bo Nix did not look insanely great in that game. I think Bo Nix looked like an absolute competitor and didn't make any major mistakes, but he didn't look like necessarily a Heisman contender uh, like like Penix did against Oregon. Um, and part of that is because Penix just had the big money moment at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that Oregon really had to fight for their yards uh, against Washington way more than Oregon did. Uh, or way more than Washington did against Oregon, so because Washington was able to make bigger plays in that game. Uh, if that's the if that's the same thing, if they force Caleb Williams to sort of grind it out, then SC is really going to be up against a, a tall task here because I don't know that SC will be able to match that defensively uh, and force Penix to sort of grind it out because we know that SC is susceptible to giving up big plays, a lot of big plays. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll see how that goes uh, for uh, SC on offense against against the Husky defense. Any last thoughts before we get to over-under? USC's offense gives them a chance in this game if USC's offense is efficient. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that it's been very frustrating and concerning about USC's offense recently is they have not been very efficient. Yeah. And especially against a defense like Washington that sort of wants to wants to use your efficiency against you because they'll they'll let you they'll let you move the ball ever so slightly but like you said like they'll force you into third downs and then eventually you're gonna you're gonna mess up and the thing that's been frustrating is uh, particularly on third downs but also just like on in big moments uh, Caleb has not necessarily been as accurate as you need him to be uh, and he needs to be accurate in this game especially on third down uh, when there are opportunities to keep the chains moving USC can't be the one that's making the mistake. Force Washington to make the play that stops mm-hmm. the chains from moving. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I agree. So um, the other thing to mention about UW really quick, special teams, very good on special teams. Uh, <laughs> in SP+, Plus, they're 14th in the country on special teams. One of the areas which SC is great is punt returns, right, with Zachariah Branch. This is the nuttiest stat I've ever seen. Washington has allowed four punts this year. Four. Exactly four punt returns. Sorry, four punt returns they've allowed. Michigan State had a one-yard return. That is a season high. Cal had a 
loss of two. Arizona had a loss of one, and Oregon had a zero yard return. A season high punt return of one. A against season Washington's high punt return punta. of one. Yeah, over four punt returns. Yeah, as as a whole, they've allowed four punt returns for a total of negative two yards. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs> which is nutty. Absolutely uh, yeah, nutty. That's fun. Uh, but let's get to uh, let's get to over under, shall we? So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Let's get to over under where I have a big lead. I'm 31 and 23. You are 24 and 30 coming into this one. Uh, Alicia, I, I I think you're you're sort of up against it. So you got to get creative. Uh, and you've got to hope things go in your favor. Um, how are you going to start that? What's What's your first over under? By not being creative, <laughs> going back to the well. All right. Um, fourteen point five. Marshawn Lloyd carries. It was lovely seeing him get seventeen against Cal this past weekend. Uh, he got fifteen against Arizona. He got fourteen against ASU. Uh, USC is four and zero in games where Marshawn Lloyd has 13 or more carries, which uh, is fun. Um, and, you know, this is this might be a game where USC needs to play a little ball control. Maybe, maybe keep the ball out of Michael Penix's hands as, as much as possible. So will USC go back to the well and see about uh, establishing the run and really feeding the running back and uh, make that a point of... Of emphasis, Washington has a better rush defense than Cal. Uh, they rank uh, 58th, giving up 135.6 yards per game compared to Cal. Coming into that game was 70th with 145.8 yards per game, for what it's worth. But that 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 Washington run, rush defense is not is not so great, so elite that you can't even imagine running into the teeth of that defense. So, will we see USC establish the run? I'm going to say yes. I, I, I think so. I, I think that especially given how big of a fourth quarter he was, he, he had last week, um, it was huge. It was a big reason why SC won the game was because of Marshawn Lloyd and what he was able to do. Uh, and so I'm going to say over on carries by Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. Give me the over there. Um, my first over-under is over-under 4.52. Washington yards per carry. Uh, this has been an interesting one because uh, UW has been averaging only 4.24 yards per carry. We know that they choose not to run. USC's defense is allowing 4.52 yards per carry on the season. So there's the line, 4.52. Washington's highest yards per carry average in Pac-12 play was 4.67 against Cal, but that was way back in week four. SC allowed 5.6 to Cal last week, but Jay Nunn is the Pac-12 leading rusher. Uh, Washington doesn't have a Pac-12 leading rusher, uh, and they, they, they choose not to run. So, uh, But this is average. This is not total yards. This is 4.52 yards per carry for the Huskies. What say you? Smashing the over on this. Um I do not trust USC's rush defense at all. I do not think this is a game where USC is going to sell out to stop the run. 
I think that if anything, USC should be inviting Washington to run on them. And uh, like I said earlier, even if you do that, I still think that your defensive front has not proven that they are capable of uh, of of controlling the the line of scrimmage, and your linebackers aren't capable of hitting the right hole or reading the play properly enough to uh, to get up there and, and make stops at the line of scrimmage. So I am taking the over on this with extremely high confidence. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's fair. Um, I don't know though. It, it's this is one of those things where I think that if if SC wins this game, I think that this might be one of the stats you look to. At the same time, Washington just doesn't run to the point that I don't know that the rushing numbers matter. Either way, four point five two doesn't sound terrible on on the on the surface. So, uh, if you hold Washington to even an over there. I think there's a chance SC still has a puncher's chance in this game. But still, of course, as we've talked about before, no football reason for SC to win this game. Uh, Let's get to uh, your next one. What do you got? 149.5 receiving yards for any one Washington receiver. So the idea behind this is that USC has given up 196 yards as the season high for any receiver against them. But everybody else has been sort of um, uh, just under 150. Sione Vake had 149. Uh, Tetoroyo Tetoro McMillan. Tetoro McMillan had yeah. 138. Nevada Jamal Bell had 121. Meanwhile, Roma Dunze uh, has had 180 against Michigan State. Uh, Jalen Polk has had 148 against Stanford. Those are their season highs. I think we all look at this matchup and expect Washington's passing attack to be prolific. But will they be able to just destroy USC with one guy the way that uh, we saw with Colorado um, and, and, you know, Sione, if I was doing all purpose yards, like Sione Vaki would be way up there. Jay not would be way up there. All of that. I just wanted to keep it simple with yeah. receiving yards. So will USC give up a hundred, 150 yards or more to a Washington receiver? So, um, you mentioned Amarion Miller, um, as the guy that had 196 receiving yards for Colorado, all of that in the second half. Remember that? Mm-hmm. You know how many yards he's had since? He's probably had like 20, <laughs> 20 yards. Two catches for 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, nutty. Absolutely yeah. nutty. Um, so, yeah, SC gave up 149 receiving yards to Sione Vaki um, and 196 to Mario Miller. And I think that there's reason for you to put the line there, and I get it. But Odunze is the only one that's done it this year for for the Huskies, and it was a buck eighty against a Michigan State team that is terrible, mind you. SC's defense is not great either. Um, we we know that that uh, Jalen McMillan is uh, sort of questionable health wise. Um, he was supposed to go uh, against Stanford last week, but ended up leaving with a limp. So like he's questionable there. I just think it's they they got too many dudes 
for me to say yes that one dude is going to get the 149 and the fact that they've only done it one time all year to have a receiver over 149 tells me it's under it's under the 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 receiving core is it's just too many guys even if mcmillan is injured and, and not able to go or whatever I'm I'm happy for you to take that under. Um, Romo Dunze is second nationally in receiving plays of 20-plus yards this season. Mm-hmm. I think he could pull a Jade Knot here and get this in one quarter. He could. He absolutely <laughs> could. I, I do not doubt that for a, a, a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a random factoid I want to share, uh, USC has fit. The, the top receivers in the Pac-12 that USC has faced this year uh, Stanford's uh, Aminor, uh Colorado's Xavier Weaver, uh, Arizona's uh, Tetaroa McMillan. Um, none of those guys like scored touchdowns on USC, which I just think was really interesting. Now, to be fair, Jacob Cowing, half of his touchdowns this season came against USC. He has four this year. I'm oh, sorry, he has eight this year. Four of them came against USC. So it's not like dudes aren't scoring touchdowns. And on Cowing him. left that game injured too. Yeah. That's the crazy part. But I do think it's like it's funny. I was trying. I was just sort of trying to like compare USC's performance against other top receivers for the rest of the uh, mm-hmm. program programs that USC has faced this year, and they haven't really done like they <laughs> haven't really gotten dunked on by these guys. So I don't know. That's not to say that they aren't getting dunked on in general in in defensively, just not by individuals, except for like Amarion Miller, who just was went crazy and Sione Vaki who like just went crazy because USC kept putting a defensive end on him in coverage. So, yeah, but I, I think Vaki is an interesting mention here, but just so different than what Washington he's, is going to yeah, do. He's not a wide receiver. He's not, he, yeah. there's no comparison to Adunze or, or to Polk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's go to my next over under, which is over under 17 and a half. 10 plus yard gains for Washington. Uh, the Huskies are number three in FBS in 10 plus yard gains with 148 this season. They are averaging 18 and a half per game. 32.5% of Washington's plays have gained 10 plus yards. That's insane. Uh, Washington's also number one in FBS uh, with 58 points. 4% of their plays gaining 7 plus yards, which is absurd. Um, meanwhile, SC is 130th in the country and allowing 10 plus yard games, allowing 14.4. Uh, so it's 10 plus yard gains, 17 and a half is the line. Do they get the over? Watch Smash it. that over. Smashing it, it's over. Extreme confidence, it will be over. Okay. This, it, it just... It, <laughs> 60%, almost 60% of their of their of their plays this season have gone for seven or more yards. Like USC's defense is at least at least giving up 18, at least. <laughs> All right, uh let's go to your last over under what do you got? I'm going 99.5 receiving yards for Taj Washington. Uh, he has had 100 receiving yards in each of the last two games. He's looking for his third consecutive 100 receiving yard game. The last USC wide receiver to have three consecutive 100 100 yard receiving games was Drake London in 2021. And my God, you look at Drake London's stats in 2021 before his injury. It's absurd. It is absurd. 
what his his numbers uh, were, he would have run away with the Bolitnikov if he had stayed healthy. Um, if not, got you know been a wide receiver who won the Heisman if he stayed healthy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're keeping this pretty simple. Will Taj Washington pop up for another 100 yard game? I think it's I think it's noteworthy at this point that you you know you have to look at it and say that USC their number one receiver is Taj Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Brendan Rice is clearly a, uh, a a valuable target for USC, but they don't seem to want to give him volume. Yeah. Um, notably, he's been a big red zone uh, red zone threat for USC. Uh, as I, I, a side note here that he has nine touchdowns in nine games this year. That's the most by a USC wide receiver since Michael Pittman uh, in a season. So in 2019, Michael Pittman had 11 touchdowns in in a season. So uh, Brendan Rice has been a very strong red zone uh, playmaker for USC. But Taj Washington is wide receiver number one. And uh, I I worry that USC needs so much more from uh, the other guys in this receiving core that... If it's just Taj Washington being wide receiver number one, that's not enough. Yeah, I, I think the the thing about Taj is I, I, I love when something that you notice anecdotally ends up being true, like objectively true statistically. And one of those things is I've been joking about like the, oh, there's your, your weekly 40-yard catch from Taj Washington yeah. or whatever. Like he just has a bunch of those. I looked it up. He literally leads the country in 40-yard catches this year with seven. <laughs> He's tied with Colin Lacey from, from South Alabama with seven. Um, I think that given how Washington is a uh, defense that is susceptible to giving up passing yards, and given that Taj Washington is, is the deep shot guy for SC, I think there absolutely is room for him to get the 99 uh, or get the hundred yards here, uh, so give me the over. Um, especially when he's sort of developed as SC's number one option, like you mentioned. Mario Williams is nowhere to be found in terms of, like I, I know the the criticism has been on Dorian Singer, and for rightful reasons, like Dorian Singer was first team All Pac twelve receiver last year, right? Mario Williams hasn't been anywhere either. So um, statistically, I was, think- I was thinking about that today too, like. I was thinking, what it, what is it about Dorian Singer that just hasn't translated to USC? And I thought, well, maybe it's just not he hasn't built up enough chemistry with Caleb that it Caleb uh, maybe doesn't have trust to throw him those you know fifty fifty balls that he made a living on at, at Arizona and um, mm-hmm. and and something like that. And maybe maybe that explains Dorian Singer just not being there for USC. But Mario Williams has been playing with Caleb Williams for too many years for there not to be, uh, for that to be an excuse for him. Like that, you know, chemistry should not be even slightly an issue uh, when it comes to Mario Williams' lack of production uh, this year. It's it's been strange. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go to my last over under, which is over under four and a half. Uh, Lake McCree catches. 
Uh, Lake McCree, the last two weeks, three catches for 35 yards against Utah. He had a season high, four catches for 71 yards against Cal. I love, 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 love that RPO that SC tends to run a couple times per game where they have Lake McCree just right up the seam. Uh, I love that play so much. Uh, it resulted in a interception against Notre Dame, but I love that thing. Um, could there be more opportunities for Lake McCree in this game? We'll see. Can he set a season high in terms of catches over under four and a half for Lake McCree? I'm going under on this just because the way that we've seen the tight end be used in this offense, um, it's not volume. Not volume. Uh, I, I think that Lake McCree could have a very good game, a, a game equivalent to the Cal game, and feel very good about the usage that Lake McCree had in the passing game at four catches. I don't know that USC is going to necessarily, uh, you know, feed him the ball considerably, uh, especially when there are so many other wide receivers that we're talking about who aren't getting f- like fed the ball. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just taking an under on this. I think I'd be perfectly happy with, with four catches from him, uh, without expecting five. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that that's valid. I was debating putting, putting this line at three and a half. If I'm going to put it at three and a half, are you taking the over? No. <laughs> okay. I could have, then I could have got away with it. Oh boy. Um, all right, uh, let's get to uh, our uh, game predictions. Uh, Alicia, what, what what do you got? I have um, Washington 45, USC 38. I think the problem here is that I'm being very, very conservative with giving Washington 40, 45 points. <laughs> The two best quarterbacks that USC has faced uh, in the last two seasons were Cam Rising and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And they averaged, you know, 347 yards, three touchdowns through the air in three meetings with those three quarterbacks. Um, Michael Penix is a better passer than either of them by a a long shot. Yeah. Uh, The Washington passing offense is better than either of those passing offenses by a long shot. It is far and away the best passing offense that USC has faced, far and away the best offense in general that USC has faced. I do not feel confident in USC's defense giving USC a chance here. Um, On the flip side, I think everyone seems to agree that USC has a chance in this game specifically because of Caleb Williams and because of USC's offense and the the vulnerability of, of Washington's defense. The problem I have with going all in on that is that Washington's defense has been susceptible to breaking at times in games, but to the tune of 30-plus points. They aren't breaking the way USC's defense is breaking for 40 points in a bad outing for them. Mm -hmm. They held Oregon to 33 points. Oregon's offense, as we've seen against a really good defense like Utah— as we've seen throughout the season, Oregon's offense is extremely good. And the fact that Oregon's offense only put up 33 points in a game where they were efficient, where they didn't turn the ball over, where they were effective on third down, it doesn't it doesn't make sense that Oregon's offense could be that efficient 
and not make any major mistakes in, in, in that sense and still only come away with 33 points. And the only thing that you point to there is they were 0-3 on, on fourth down, which is sort of what I was getting at with Washington's defense. They're not pretty, but they have been very good at just getting the stops that they need to get to win the game. So I don't even like the matchup with USC's offense against this defense. So uh, I wish I could pick an upset here, guys. I really wish I could. But USC's defense is not going to let me pick an upset for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. I, I I agree because there's there's no football reason that SC should win this game. Michael Penix is the best quarterback USC will have faced since Marcus Mariota. Is that that crazy? It's- I I'm gonna do Cam. I'm gonna do Cam Rising the respect of saying that Cam Rising, in terms of being a gamer, in terms of making plays, in sure. terms of being that dude, is the best quarterback that USC has 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 faced. But if we're talking about passers of the football. Mm-hmm. Pro prospects, etc. Then, yeah, maybe maybe I, that's fair. I, I guess you can say Justin Herbert, but I think that just, when Justin well, Herbert, Justin Herbert came, in college was not the, not the, well, same. Not the same. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Justin Herbert obviously was was ended up being a high level prospect who has panned out in the NFL. Yes, yeah. But I, I don't think it's the, quite the same. Um, Michael, Pen- yeah, Michael Penix is the be- best college quarterback to come to the Coliseum since Marcus Mariota in twenty twelve. And what did that team do to SC in 2012? The Kenyon Barner game, the Marcus Mariota mm-hmm. game. It was a crazy shootout in which SC could not get off the field. It's the thing that essentially got Monty Kiffin fired, even though he got fired later on a couple weeks later. It was the the sort of a similar situation, right? SC was coming into that game as a two-loss team who still had a chance in the in in the um, uh, in in 2012 still had a chance to to go somewhere in in the conference, but they didn't because they lost that game, and then uh, everything else further spiraled, and they ended up going seven and five in the regular season. If they would have beaten Oregon, I think they would have gotten the momentum to go on and maybe finish nine and three, ten and two, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They lost yeah, to fell off a cliff. And, and fell off a cliff. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it was a game which SC valiantly played with, with Matt, Matt Barkley. They scored a lot of points, but it was a shootout they could never get close with. And I think that that's kind of what SC is looking at in this game. Michael Penix is leading this offense that has too many weapons, too many, too much firepower, there is no football reason in the world to pick SC in this game. When you look at SC's defense, just made Fernando Mendoza look like he was a pro bowler. This is the this is the defense that made Bryson Barnes a guy who had a 107 quarterback rating coming in that game have a career high a buck 81 and beat SC with a 20 something yard scramble on a do-or-die drive in which he was going to be forced to throw the football, and he ended up running anyways. A guy who wasn't a runner that we could talk about going into that game, wasn't somebody you had to worry about. And here comes Washington, and if Cal can score 49 points on this SC defense, what the hell is Washington going to do? There's no football reason in the world 
to pick the Huskies. Sorry, to pick the Trojans. There just isn't. But that's why I'm doing it. Because <laughs> SC, there is nothing more USC than winning this game. After the season has gone absolutely to crap, the defense has been has, has been gassed. They've been brutalized. This is their, like... The defense can't play much worse. Like, we we already know what this defense is. They gave up 49 points to Cal. Like, they gave up so many drives in a row. This is a Washington team that is susceptible to giving up turnovers. This is a Washington team that struggled to beat ASU and Stanford. If that continues, I think SC has the ability to play at home, get the crowd in here. It's a sold-out Coliseum. It's the one. It's homecoming. And the other thing is, there's nothing more Pac-12 than the Pac-12 eating itself. Like, this is the most Pac-12 thing ever, is for the Pac-12 to eat itself. Like, here is a here is a perfect opportunity. Washington and Oregon have, have a great opportunity to go to the playoff. Nothing makes more sense than SC beating Washington this week. Getting jiggle-bagged in, in Eugene <laughs> next week. Like, that that's going to happen undoubtedly. We all know that one. But SC's getting getting the Huskies this week because nothing is more fitting than SC finally putting it together this week and then laying an egg next week. Trojans beat Washington 52-49. Same score as the UCLA game last week or last year. Nearly the same score as last year, last week's Cal game. SC wins 52-49. Same score as the Rose Bowl in 2017. So there we go. Uh, all right, let's get I- to... You got thoughts? I uh, as soon as you started saying no football reasons, I knew where this was was going. I wish I had the faith that you had. I don't I, have faith. One thing I one thing I know. Here's the thing I know. Michael Penix is not throwing an interception to Corey Foreman, who is out of position and randomly in a place on a field. That's all I know. There's no football reason for him to do that. I agree. But I, I've also seen SC beat Utah when they had no football reason to do it. They did it. SC, weirdly, when you when you have no faith in SC, that's when SC does stuff. I would love for this to be a YOLO ball game, but I don't think this is a YOLO ball game, and I don't think USC yeah. is a YOLO ball team. But, yeah. We'll see. Uh, all right, let's get, to, uh, let's get to the old mailbag, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app. 
with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You've got mail. All right, we got to start with a super chat that we got. Um... Hey. Big thanks on the super chat to JXB1A2. Almost sounds like a hex code of a color, but it's not because a J's in there, so it doesn't Jixpa quite work. Jixpa one or two. Jixpa one or two. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> and they say, I, I think that we all accept that the Huskies will score a lot, uh, but if the defense can make critical stops and plays with heart and conviction, not just running around aimlessly without direction, SC can pull the upset. And the one thing that we have been saying about USC's defense is for all their faults, for all the things they're not good at, they have played with heart and they have played with effort for four quarters every game this season. Um, They, there are multiple games this season where they, the defense could have literally just laid down and died and they've come out in, you know, Arizona is a good example. Cal is a good example of games where they came out in the fourth quarter and continue to play with heart Mm -hmm. and belief. And I will give them that. I simply do not think they are capable of making the stops they need to make. Kalen Bullock has had big moments. He's a big, he he makes big plays. Um, That interception against Utah felt like Nikhil Roby. It did, yeah. You've (sighs) talked about it before that like, Kalen Bullock can can sort of uh, go transparent at times. Kalen Bullock but he's is good. so visible when he when he when he is visible. Kalen right? Bullock is good for two. Wow, what a great plays. plays the every Arizona game. game. He and, made a big play and two touchdowns that the opposing team scores every game. Where you're like, where was Kalen Bullock on that play? Um, and that's just sort of what USC's defense is. So that's. But I, the more he makes the crazy big plays, though, the more I think that this is the defense putting him in the wrong spot. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, there's a, he is a pro prospect that people talk about with, with glowing terms. Yes. And you just know he's going to go to the NFL and be good, and we're going to look around going like, well, yeah, it, it, wasn't his, it wasn't a him problem. It was a defensive problem. Yeah, and I think that if there's a moment for him to have his big moment, um, this could be it because – he excels in defending the pass. I think he uh, he is not um, Talano Hufanga, who's ex- who excels against the the run, mm-hmm. um, and, and will make plays against the run and the pass. Um, Bullock isn't that guy. He yeah. he de- he defends the pass well, and this is an opportunity for him with so many throws out there to have his moment. Uh, and I think it'll be That's it'll a- be. 
it'll be if he has a big game that bodes huge for us. That's a really good point because my whole thing with Kalen Bullock this whole time has been let him just play as a center fielder and mm-hmm. and and do that. And all of the plays that I look at with Kalen, look at Kalen Bullock with frustration are running plays where he's coming up with a terrible angle and then and then either missing a tackle or not being anywhere near being able to make a tackle on Jaden Nod as he's running you know running away. Uh, and I don't think that that's Washington's game. So yeah, this is this is set up to be a Kalen Bullock game. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, big super chat. Thank you to Alex. Also, uh, you guys are awesome hey, with the super Alex. chats. <sighs> Staying hydrated over here, uh, like you can't. Staying und- caffeinated over here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get to a voicemail that we got uh, from Aaron. Hi, Michael and Alicia. This is Aaron from Boston. Um, I had a quick question relating to something you were discussing during your last car cast. Uh, you pointed out that it's tougher playing defense on a Lincoln-Riley team because Lincoln-Riley offenses just get off the field incredibly fast. I was looking at the stats this morning, and it looks like their average time of possession this year is is uh, 104th in the nation. They're just scoring right away, or if they're not scoring, they're getting off the field quickly. And so the defense is uh, facing a lot more drives, and so they're going to allow more points. They're going to allow more yards. And so my question for you is, what is what is the fair way to measure the performance of a Lincoln-Riley defense? I'm not defending Alex Grinch uh, and his performance this year, but sometimes it does seem like he's being uh, assessed unfairly as to which statistics we're measuring it by. You know, the the yards they allow are always going to be higher. Uh, the points they allow are always going to be higher, just given how much time they're spending on the field. And so what what do you think is a fair way we should be measuring Alex Grinch's performance this year? Thank you. Lisa, do you have any thoughts? Because I've prepared some stuff. My thoughts are that um, there does seem to be some truth that uh, to to the idea that the more explosive your offense, the harder it is for your defense to statistically thrive. Um, that bears out in in a, in just a lot of ways. I'm not sure that like correlation and causation are always correctly applied. Uh, you know, as as Malcolm in the chat says, uh, defenses aren't weaker after short possessions. That's that's a myth. Like. I tend to think I tend to think more about how um, that that the idea that because your offense scores quickly that your defense is then going to be uh, going to be susceptible. I don't necessarily buy that. I think that you might end up in a position where the opposing offense has to be more aggressive because they're chasing your offense, and that might result in in more explosive plays or or just more chances taken by them. Um, but when it comes to like statistical measures and Alex Grinch or a Lincoln Riley defensive coordinator, I I think that that uh, you might get a little bit of 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 he might get a little bit of relief by looking at per per play per drive kind of like stats. Yeah. But that relief is so minuscule to me at this point because the defense is just bad. And it, the defense is bad because it's bad, not because you could have you know Iowa's offense on the other side of this defense and this defense would still be actively bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of where I'm, where I'm at. But 
you you have a bunch of statistics to back up a sort of uh, idea here. Yeah, I, first of all, I don't, I don't know anything about what the what the conclusion of what I'm about to present is. I think this is one of those things where like this was interesting to me, but I don't know what the clear takeaway is. So this is open to interpretation. But I, I think the 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 basis of the the answer, by the way, is go on per play and per drive. Don't use totals uh, yeah. because you you look at uh, okay. We mentioned Oregon earlier, right? Well. 2012 Oregon, uh, you know, was was a Chip Kelly's last year was a year in which Oregon averaged 28 minutes per game on offense, right? Um, tw- 2014 Oregon, which was Helfrich's second year, the year that went to the playoff, Oregon was 121st in time of possession, uh, and then you look at total defense uh, for Oregon in that that year. Um, uh, where is it? I just had it. Uh, Oregon was 89th in total defense uh, in terms of yards per play, yards per game. Uh, if you look at yards per play, uh, they were 64th. And like that's sort of the the comp that you continued to see over teams that were high octane, like lots of uh, like less time is that the yards per play average will be better than the yards per game average in terms of rankings because there's just fewer plays that other teams are facing versus there's teams that have uh, offenses where they're going to be put out on put put out more on defense, right? They, they got to face more plays that way, right? And so I ended up putting together some stats. So if you're watching here on YouTube, you're about to see these stats uh, here on the screen. Um there's the traditional stats uh, and there's the uh, metrics. So the traditional stats, let me go over these. Um, total defense is your traditional total defense number. That's total yards per game. And then there's scoring defense, which is just how many points allowed per game, your average, your just very traditional scoring defense statistic, um, whatever that number is. And I want to compare these two metrics over uh, at BCF Toys. Brian Fremo does a great job, and I love his stats because I think it's very fair. This the fairest way to do it, and my from my understanding is to take out garbage time, take out overtimes because you want you want to four quarters. You, you want four quarters. Uh, and you want FBS games only. So no games against FCS teams where teams can stat pad. No weird uh, games where they go to overtime and then suddenly it's 70-something to 60-something when it was tied at 20 at uh, at the end of the regulation. And then that screws up your, your scoring average. Like, that's thrown out. Uh, you can't stat pad in blowouts. Like, those kind of things. So you, you stream out that stuff and then you look at sort of averages uh, and so I want to look at yards per play. I want to look at available yards, which I think is another key statistic. Um, because if you available yards is if you're starting a defensive drive is starting at the seven at, at the 25 yard line, then the opposing team has 75 yards to gain. If they have a touchdown drive for 75 yards, then they've gained 75. Then they they've gained 100 percent of their yards, right? If they only gain 
30 something yards, then they only gain 50% of their, of their yards, right? Like that's how it works. Um, and so I think that's another metric to measure this defense by rather than the total yardage. Well, okay. So I put everything together and I put mystery teams. So if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, there's mystery teams, A, B, C, D, E, and F, um, with total defense, scoring defense, and then those other metrics that I talked about, yards per play, available yards, and points per drive that have had garbage time, overtime, and FCS games taken out of it, right? So mystery team A uh, is 67th in total defense, uh, 68th in scoring defense, but in the metrics, they are 92nd, 71st, and 76th. You look at mystery team B, they are horrible on the total uh, the total averages, 114th in total defense, 101st in scoring defense, uh, but yet they're slightly better in some of the metrics, 81st in yards per play, uh, but horrible in things like points per drive at 113th, right? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see all these numbers. Um, mystery team D is the one that's sort of good all the way across, 31st uh, on the traditional the statistics scoring and, and total defense, uh, but something like 21st in points per drive, uh, which is better than their 31st ranking in scoring defense. Uh, there's mystery team E and F. Um, e is really bad um, in terms of scoring defense uh, at 93rd in the country, um, but they are even worse in points per drive at 111th. Uh, and then there's Team F, which is really bad at scoring defense, 113th in the country, but only 79th in points per drive. Uh, Alicia, if you're looking at these teams, do you have any guesses on what any of these teams might be? And I know that this is a visual thing, so I, I'm sorry if you're listening on, on, on audio, but on YouTube you can at least see all the stats, so I'm not just reading these things, which would be... Bad audio, probably. So here's part of the problem is that you have put the answer key in our doc, and I have now seen it. <laughs> You've been spoiled. Um, I've been spoiled to the, certainly the front half of, the, of, the, of sure what it is. So, um, what what I will say, what I will comment on this because now I do know the the identity of too many of these mystery teams to to yeah. to this be a, a a good exercise. What I will say is that um, there is a notable difference between a mystery team D, which is just a cross the board, not an elite defense, yeah, but a an effective defense clearly at thirty first, thirty first, thirty second, twenty second, twenty first, and a defense like mystery team B, which is straight up bad at everything, um, and. And a mystery team F, which is straight up in bad in the traditional measures, but better off when you take not Me gar- mediocre. Yeah. yeah, when you take garbage timeout, when you take all that kind of stuff, just goes to mediocre, but still is mediocre. Yeah. So um, I think you should reveal the teams though, because that's where it gets interesting. All right, let's reveal the teams. Uh, so the way the way this works out. Um, Malcolm in the chat says that F might be SC. Yes, F Correct. Team F is SC. 2023. Uh, 2023 USC is Team F under Alex Grinch. Uh, 
it's fascinating because SC currently is horrific in the traditional stats, 114th in total defense, 113th in scoring defense. But when you take out all the, when, when you adjust it, uh, it's just mediocre on defense, 68th in, in yards per play, uh, 57th in available yards, 79th in points per drive. And I think that like, that to me at first, when I first saw this, I'm like, that seem, seems to sort of make sense in the line of a defense that is going to be out there for a ton of plays. That makes sense that like their total numbers would be horrific, but they'd maybe be better on averages. Um, but the weird thing is you look at last year, last year is team E and last year's team was worse in the metrics than they were in the total numbers. Like SC was 122nd in yards per play, uh, the the adjusted yards per play, 116th in the adjusted available yards, and 111th in adjusted points per drive. So just horrendous. Does that not does that not tell us that the expected improvement the reasons we expected improvement from this defense the the well i think there are two things no two two things first the re, the reasons we expected improvement on defense the personnel additions all of that kind of stuff have played a role in improving the defense at least in some of those metrics like that the the yards per play, available yards, all that kind of stuff has improved from last year. And yeah. that maybe we can attribute that to the addition of somebody like Bear Alexander. Some, you know, uh the 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 um the the defensive I mean the the edge edge rush guys, like all of that kind of stuff. Like that they maybe mm-hmm. that has played a role. I do also think that we are talking about incomplete data on twenty twenty three before USC has played the best offenses it will face this season. (laughs) We need to revisit these uh, three weeks from now because I think this could easily change uh, after SC plays Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. Yes, but but, uh, Malcolm in the chat also sort of hits on the the big difference for me with 2023 is the turnover regression, but it's not just the turnover regression. That is certainly part of it, but it's turnover regression regression plus all of the other things that are just basically red zone stops. USC is not getting red zone stops at a rate that they need to be getting red zone stops for the yards per play or available yards or mm-hmm. points like points per drive kind of stuff to even reflect an improvement on defense because in the end, you can have a, a, a really solid defense, but if you are incapable, uh, like, or, or on the other side, you can have a really solid offense, but if you are, in, if you, if you pull a, a David Shaw and become incapable of scoring in the red zone, you suddenly look like complete and utter, utter crap, even though you are perfectly capable of moving the ball. Yeah. And defensively, you can be effective on a per play basis, but if, the important plays result in touchdowns, then it none of that mattered. Yeah, I think turnovers play a big role. Uh, SC was forcing turnovers even when they gave up a lot of yards last year. I think the other thing is there is some um, part of this is the effects of the Notre Dame game and the Arizona game where um, SC gave up a lot of points in those games that one, they, they gave up, what was it, uh, 13 overtime points to Arizona on short fields. 
Uh, they gave up a bunch of short drive, short field uh, touchdowns to Notre Dame because of turnovers. Like those affect things on the turnover side also. Last year's team was more bend don't break, uh, where they were giving up yards uh, more so than than just points. And this year's team is boom or bust. They're either getting a three and outs mm-hmm. or they're giving up a touchdown draft. Yeah. And I think that that ends up making some of those metrics look better than they are because there are there is a lot of boom, but there is a lot of bust. Um, the, the flip side is they haven't played Oregon and Washington yet, which are going to, you know, wreck Adjust havoc these numbers, at, yeah. at, at a lot of these numbers. Um, but if you look at the rest of the, uh, the rest of the charts, uh, the the one that you that you point out is 2019 LSU under Dave Aranda, which I think is the gold standard. If you're going, if you're that's the gold standard defense for having a incredible offense. Is we talked about this before. You do not need to be a world class defense if you have a world class offense, but you need to be good. Yeah. And LSU's defense was good. They were top 25 in enough of these stats to warrant being fine. Like, and that's and that's the thing is if your offense is scoring forty five points a game, you winning games forty five to twenty one, forty five to twenty five mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. Yes. If your offense can barely score twenty five points, you need your defense to be holding teams under ten. You need to have your scoring averages mm-hmm. under ten. Right. But when you look at like a statistical measure of the hundred and thirty some odd teams in college football, uh, you know the teams that hold. Uh, hold uh, teams to under 15 points like your your Georgia or your uh, Ohio State or whatever, um, they're going to be ranked up in the top five, top 10 in 2019. Um, LSU scoring defense-wise is all the way down at 31, but giving up 21 points when you're... When you are accounting for your offense is scoring that many points, that your quickly, scores fifty five. You're yeah. facing more drives that accounts for you're giving up more points, but you're only giving up more points to the tune of twenty one, which is half of the scoring o- average of your offense. If right. your defense is half of the scoring, o- um, the scoring average of your of your offense, then that's then you can work with that. Um, and you can sort of see that with with a you know a Georgia team that year that is uh, giving up twelve points per game, but only scoring thirty points per game offensively. Again, they're half as good at, at uh, of their of their scoring offense is what their defense is giving up, so they're going to win a ton of games and they're going to be fine. Yeah. It's just a different. You sort of take the measure of this is a good measure, and you slide it up the scale a little bit. And that doesn't mean that your defense is is incapable of getting the job done. It just means that statistically they're giving up more points. Yeah. But again, you still have to be within that range of you're still, you know, you you might be giving up more points on defense, but you're also scoring that many more points on offense. Yeah, and then uh, the other mystery teams that were on this A, B, and C are all Oklahoma teams. Oklahoma teams that. Lincoln Riley took to the playoff three different times in 2017, 18, and 19. Uh, 18, the year in which he fired Mike Stoops and Ruffin McNeil took over uh, as defensive coordinator, and they were atrocious. They were 101st in scoring defense, and yet they still made the playoff. Uh, and they were 113th in points per drive and still made the playoff. 2019, Alex Grinch's first year at Oklahoma, in terms of the traditional stats, much better. 38th in total defense. 64th in scoring defense, very middle of the road. But when you compare that to an, when you combine that with an offense that had Jalen Hurts, uh, that's good enough, right? 
Uh, and they got to the playoff that way. Obviously, they didn't win a game in the playoff. They faced that LSU team and got absolutely lily warped. But, you know, you look at the other numbers, 64th in yards per play, adjusted yards per play is not too different than what SC is this year, 68th. The difference is, in the traditional numbers, SC is giving up way more yards and points than that Oklahoma team was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot a lot of those points have to do with what the offense has done with the um or, or with sort of the, the, the Notre Dame game and the Arizona game, I think factor in there is there's a bunch of extra points that have been added in on this defense. But at the same time, all the points Cal earned all forty nine <laughs> yeah. points was on that USC defense. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it, it's it's a mixed bag. And so, Utah's thirty some odd points is a is a bad sign for USC's yes, defense too. Like 100%. again, all relative to what yeah. the other side is capable of. So we will revisit these stats later on in the se- after the regular season is at over, and we can look back at these and then try to understand it. I don't know what my takeaway is. So like, if you have a takeaway in looking at these things, let us know. Email address randomtroyfanside.com, phone number eight one eight six four three seven two two seven. Because I, I don't know what it is. I think the, the the biggest takeaway is you need to be good. You need to be better if you're if you're going like My biggest takeaway is I would hesitate and I'm not gonna let Lincoln Riley off the hook on this. I would just hesitate to say that it is a Lincoln Riley's offense. The defense will always be terrible question yeah. until we have seen more than two defensive coordinators coordinate for under Lincoln Riley and also more than one of them actually hired by him as sure. like not an inherited defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm just withholding judgment is, is where I'm yeah. at on, on whether or not this is a Lincoln Riley problem or just a, um, you have a, 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 a bad defensive coordinator or just a not good defensive coordinator at best. And, um, and your offense is going to statistically hurt that defense no matter what. But you can take a great defensive coordinator, statistically hurt them, and they still have a good enough defense. Yeah, right, because that that's the Dave Aranda thing. Yeah, they didn't have a top-five defense at LSU, but they were top 30. And top mm-hmm. 30 with that offense is makes you a world-beater team. Yeah, uh, and if SC had a top thirty defense right now, they'd be in the playoff. And what do we talk about uh, Washington? They have a they are thirty second in defense on SP plus, and if SC was right there, they'd be in the same spot. There's also a new paradigm coming too, because one of the things that I've always suspected is that um, the offenses in the Pac-12 and the Big 12 traditionally have just been higher, more firepower. Statistically, the defenses in those conferences are harmed by that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, the inverse West, is true in the Big Ten. The inverse is true in the Big Ten and SEC. Uh, so I'm not saying that, like, Georgia's defense... It, it, Georgia's defenses have been for real. Alabama's defenses have been for real. But, like, your statistical averages are always going to trend shorter when the offenses that you're facing are generally just more limited. Uh, so it will be interesting in the Big Ten to see how this all sort of shakes out as well because the Big Ten is introducing teams from traditionally more high-powered offensive conferences. Yeah, I, I think the, the Big Ten is going to end up... Yeah, the defenses are going to be more challenged, but also SC is going to face, say, Illinois, who mm-hmm. there there's not a, an offense in the Pac-12 that is better, that wor- worse than Illinois. Well, like, I, I, I can't imagine. If USC played... I, like, like, just look at what... Look at Stan- Stanford is the worst team in the Pac-12, and that 
offense is still has a little bit of something going they scored 30 something points against washington last week yeah iowa's offense if usc got to play iowa's offense <laughs> they'd probably still go up their 30 points to them because I, usc played utah's offense but like usc has a terrible defense so uh, i think yeah. that's the difference is that when when bad pac-12 teams with bad offenses meet up against each other they still end up scoring a lot of points yeah when bad teams in the Big Ten meet up against each other, there just is no points scored, period. Yeah. Like, the defense still trucks out. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to um, a call we got from Bodie. Hello, Michael and Alicia. This is Bodie, third-time caller. I'd just like to say that um, my prediction is I'll say that USC record at the end of the season would be 7-5. and five. Mark my word, they have three games left. Thank God. Once those three games are over with, then they get to get pick their bowl game that they attend to. Once they get to their bowl game, uh, Alice Grinch and company will finally win a bowl game first time. And then I can see Lincoln Riley now jumping for joy, get Alice Grinch's raise that he always wanted, and they give him an extension for another Five more years. Hooray. I'll go for that. Five more years of Alex Grinch. Lincoln Riley. Can you imagine that? I'll bet my bottom dollars. That's going to be the, that's going to be it. Five, seven and five. Seven and five is going to be a record. Uh, five. Thanks for the call. I, I think seven and five is absolutely uh, on the table when you consider that all three teams SC is going to face uh, are ranked ahead of them in the, in the college football playoff ranking. So, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, seven and five is on is on the table. And we talked about it earlier. The comparisons to twenty twelve. Uh, so, yeah, I think that I think that's the case. If seven and five happens, I understand the frustration with Lincoln Riley and all that. I thoroughly get it. I understand the pessimism in in him not making changes, but there is no way in hell. If they go seven and five, that Alex Grinch gets re- like renewed. Like it, it. There's, there's no way. It, it, it cannot happen. There's, there's no way it does. I am going to, I'm going to do a thing, right now. If Alex Grinch is USC's defensive coordinator in 2024, I will take a pickle. I will put a dab of de bomb hot sauce on it and I will eat it live on air. Oh my God. For those who don't understand the degree of a bet that I am making on this, I hate pickles. <laughs> and the only thing I hate more than pickles is very hot things, very spicy things. I will take a pickle, I will put a dab of de bomb or the last dab or whatever. I. I have friends who have these hot sauces. They they watch that that show. I will do this if Alex Grinch is USC's defensive coordinator for the twenty twenty four season. Tim, I am Tim in the chat this... says at any point in twenty twenty four or for all of twenty twenty four. No, if going into if if he is retained for the twenty twenty four season, so I presume by the time USC is getting ready to get spring camp. If you if USC is going into January with Alex with with Alex Grinch as the defensive coordinator, if if it has been stated outright that Alex Grinch is being retained by USC, I will do this. This is my bet. I am this confident 
that Alex Grinch will not be USC's defensive coordinator in 2024. Wow. Now I feel like I'm rooting for it. <laughs> wow. Um, Joe in the chat says this is the perfect time to ask about the lasagna theory. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, let's, let's. To be quite honest, to be quite honest, uh, <laughs> If Alex Grinch is USC's defensive coordinator in 2024, I do not know if I will continue to to choose to podcast about USC I thought, on a weekly thought, basis. That's where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say you're going to be done with the pod. So, may, I mean, in order to avoid the payoff on my pickle on my pickle hot sauce uh, bet, maybe I will just quit the pod. <laughs> All right. Sagar says, do you guys remember that time that we hosted Utah? They were ranked so high that we were favored and we we, we covered. Yeah, 2015, uh, 2015. The, the Cam Smith no, three-pick no. game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think this is the quite the same scenario, uh, but absolutely, um, SC has done weird things. Uh, they, they beat Stanford in 2013, the, the field rushing game, which... Can, can we have the field rushing conversation? If SC wins... No. You rush the field? No. Why not? USC rushing the field in 2013 to me was a very, very special, uh, unique situation. Okay. Uh, USC had an interim head coach. Uh, USC was facing a Stanford team that had been a heated, heated, heated rival for many years. Um, USC was uh, sort of bolstered by the the coach O of it all. Um, I it it felt like a unique. So I, USC wasn't ranked in that game, right? Like, what was USC's record going into that game? They they had three losses already. I think so. Um, that like was six and that was three, a str- like that, an extremely unique situation that was so close to the sanctions there was just a a, a let off of energy at that point Washington as Richard in in discord pointed out USC hasn't played Washington at the Coliseum since 2015 Mm -hmm. they haven't played Washington full stop since 2019 they've only played them less than a handful of times in, in in the last decade like this is not a team that USC has a bitter rivalry with the way that USC had a bitter rivalry with Stanford at that time. You're also a ranked team with the raising with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I do not think rushing the field is appropriate in this situation. If, uh, if I, USC were to win, personally, but I'm also also like having said that, I don't want to see USC fans do that. Having said that, if USC fans at the Coliseum do it. I'm not. I'm not in the business of judging t- whether or not teams uh, rush the field. I just know that personally, I do not think that this rises to a rush the field um, scenario. I am against rushing the field from a safety perspective. I want people to be safe. I don't want people to hurt themselves. All those things. I get worried about that. I'm pro rushing the field in literally every other instance. <laughs> yeah, rush the field. Have yeah. your, have your, have fun. As Kenny uh, points out, they didn't rush tradition. Like there is no tra- like just enjoy yourself. You beat a top five team. You're allowed to rush the field. I don't care who you are. Like you rush the field. Like you, go for it. Like be I said, safe. Don't don't 
hurt yourself. And don't get in the face of, of the opposing pl- players' team. Like, don't opposing players, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I, I like, again, I'm not in the judgment of, like, uh, giving, like, moral judgments about, about it. fans rushing the field. Again, like you said, like, have fun. But like I said, I, I don't know that this is... How many uh, times is SC the underdog at home to a top five team? Not many times. Yeah, you don't Not want many to be times. in that situation. This is the USC. situation of when you field rush. So go yeah. for it. Like I, go for it. Be safe, but like, live, live life. Like it's college football. It ain't that serious. Uh, which which is also why like I I saw that there was criticism about Arizona rushing the field when they beat Oregon State last week. What are we doing? Yeah, like yeah. let or Arizona let them, let live. Them let them live. Like come on. Like yeah. they beat a ranked team. Like. Yeah, let them feel good about themselves and rush the field. I love that Clemson rushes the field for every game. I think that's cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Ha- have fun. Have it's fun just, in life. It's, yeah. Yeah. But be safe. Be safe. Be don't safe. Hurt, don't, don't hurt be people. Be safe and don't be an don't, asshole. Don't, don't be an idiot that goes up to former players. I mean, to, 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 to players or anything like that. Yeah. Like, don't be an asshole. Don't be a terrible person. Seriously, don't. Like, but have fun. If, especially the, the kids in school. How many how many opportunities do you get to field rush if you're a student? Yeah. Not many. Not many. And this idea that like, oh, SC doesn't field rush. We don't do that. Uh, SC field rushed in 96, 99, 2013. Three times in my life they've field rushed. I get it that this 96 was a 17-year drought to Notre Dame. 99 was an eight-year drought to UCLA. And 2013 was like a four-year drought to Stanford. I get that part. But, like, how many times are you an underdog to a number five team at home? Not many. So, go for it. Have fun. Uh, Live life. There's only so many days that we get to be on this earth. I think a Um, lot of this also depends on on how, like, if it's a dramatic ending like it was in 2013, I fully expect a field rush. But 2015 is a really good example of like if you're if if you just win the game and it's just you you just win the game because you win the game like I don't think we'll see it but uh, but USC also has to win the game in order to have yeah. that conversation yeah, for, for so sure. yeah I, 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 it absolutely the you win the game because you go up 17 nothing and then end up winning the game 24 21 hanging on for dear life yeah like, no one's okay. rushing the field maybe not. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Robert Murray says, if you're a USC, do you, keep, do you play ball control to keep Washington's offense off the field and keep our defense off the field? I think that this is one of those situations where you do what you do. You, 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 if SC is going to win this game, they're going to do it by outscoring Washington. So you just buy into what you do. Don't, there's no need to change yourself here. Uh, yeah. I think that the more important thing is score. Whatever, whatever else you do, whether you do it quickly or slowly, whether you take 15 plays or three plays, if a touchdown is at the end of it, then that is the result that USC needs. Uh, everything else is, uh, is, is, is what it'll be. Yeah. Uh, Randy says, if it was your decision to hire the next defensive coordinator uh, and you have to pick between Jimmy Lake, Jim Leonard, or Gary Patterson, who would you choose and why? Uh, Jimmy Lake is not in my consideration personally. Uh, what is Gary Patterson doing these days? He was a special assistant to Texas last year. 
Yeah, I, I'm leaning Jim Leonard just because he's been an effective defensive coordinator far more recently, has not been sort of out of the game and and is is just more in it. Uh this is this is the easiest multiple choice I've ever seen. Yeah, Randy, I I, I love that you put Gary uh, Jim Leonard in here. Because if you had Dave Aranda in there, it the, would be a different conversation. Dave Aranda versus Jim Leonard, I think, is an interesting debate. And mm-hmm. yeah, flip a coin maybe. But uh, Jimmy Lake, um, I think Jimmy Lake would be a very good defensive coordinator for football reasons only. But there are. Um, there's, Can you there's imagine the whole toxic thing about Jimmy Lake putting his hands on a, on a player, and I don't think SC is the school that can give him the second chance when Jen Cohen was the one who I fired him at Washington. Say, can you imagine the drama? Yeah, like it's, <laughs> that's SC is not in the position to do the the Jimmy Lake uh, thing when when Jen Co- twenty Jen- years from now when when Jimmy Lake is like sixty years old. Uh, yeah, maybe you can you can bring Jimmy Lake in here or whatever, but like not when Jen Cohen is here. Um, Jim Leonard, absolutely one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, is on sabbatical. Like, yes, he's the guy. Uh, Gary Patterson, I love Gary Patterson. He's one of the guys I've always loved and wanted SC to hire for so many years. The game passed him by, and TCU was always a defensive team. Yet once they got to the Big 12, they ended up being Big 12 bad more often than not. As another example of what we were just talking about, that like in the Big 12 and Pac-12, your defensive statistics also suffer. Just this is true. Because of the yes, I agree. But also like those teams weren't known for defense uh, the last decade that he was at TCU before they were, but not the last decade. So yeah, it, it's it's Jim Leonard there. Uh, Soccer says, my expectations for the seasons have gone out the window. Uh, so watching games now is much more tolerable. Tolerable, No anxiety because of a loss doesn't much do anything than create chatter about ousting a coach. It's nice. I think this is the perspective to have, especially going into these next two weeks where SC surely is the underdog. Yeah. You, okay, you don't, like, you don't like Alex Grinch? You want him fired? Well, then here you go. Here's your opportunity. Like, you win... In, revel in the win you lose well hey the, there, there you go it's one step closer to what you want anyways I wish I could have that perspective um, but I also know myself and I know I will not be uh, Ron Murdy says uh, what bowl game do you think uh, SC will get to go to uh, Yahoo Sports has us playing Clemson in the holiday bowl I haven't thought about should the Should they Bulls. rename that the Holiday Bowl brought to you by Crushing Disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> That's what that Holiday Bowl matchup would be. Uh Yeah. I it, it's anything would be better than the uh than the Sun Bowl. <laughs> um We could theoretically go to the Holiday Bowl, so that would be fun. We could, but it would be Crushing Disappointment? Yeah. Uh, the crushing disappointment bowl. Yeah, I I haven't thought about the other bowls. That's the sad part. It's like, yeah, the holiday bowls there. I, I've seen Yalamo Bowl against Oklahoma. That is the worst case scenario. The, the w- number one thing you do not want is SC to place Oklahoma. Like, the, not in a million years. Jesse okay? 
She has she has thoughts. I on don't the know bulls. if you guys can hear that, but she just started making some weird noises. Yeah, she has, she has big opinions on the, on the bowl games. Uh, no, yeah, no. All I know is I I want nothing to do with Oklahoma. I I can't. I I do not want. We already are exhausted enough trying to figure out how to keep the trolls out of our chat. Like I'm I'm. No, thank you. Big pass. Big pass. Yeah. I, no, I, I, any of these bowls sound sound bad. <laughs> uh, like, you, you don't, you don't want any of it. The, the L.A. Bowl, at least you, it's local and you get to go to SoFi, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it, the L.A. Bowl means losing out, so I don't know that you want that option either. Um, Mark says, Lucky Charms or Crunch Berries. Uh, I've never had Crunch Berries, but not Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms is absolute garbage that is a garbage take lucky charms are amazing it's horrendous One of my favorite cereals horrendous top five marshmallows top five. in general ass pure ass one of your top five bad bad pure bad takes. ass bad no bad this man doesn't like marshmallows that's right because they're horrific they're terrible <sighs> i don't they're garbage absolute garbage uh randy says do you think usa um We'll play one complete game this season. Uh, USC, I think. What it? it says USA. I think there was a typo. Yeah. Uh, we'll play one complete game this season. Offense, defense, special teams. Um, oh, I think the one complete game was was, was, was Nevada. Was Stanford? it Stanford? The other thing, yeah. but you can say that 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 wasn't a complete game because it was it was one half. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 I. I would say that if SC is going to play one complete game, the UCLA game is the one to bet on because that's one where I think the defense could flex its muscles a little bit, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Because um, I wouldn't hold my breath against Washington or Oregon for the defense to, you know, The defense isn't going to do its enough. job against Washington yeah. or Oregon. I'm, I'm pretty certain about that. Yeah. Uh, Brenton says, I wish SC had the balls to fire Grinch like the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. Antonio Pierce got that dog in him. Uh, Grinch is a poodle. A poodle is a dog, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I... Uh, Josh McDaniels... Um, yeah. Uh, big, big... Did, did he really get fired hire. that way, or is that just a viral no, troll? That's, that's a, a viral it's a troll. Tro- it's a troll. It's not real, and I'm very sad about it because that would have been classic. Okay. But uh, no, the the whole the, fortune cookie thing is not true. Yeah. <laughs> In case you guys haven't uh, heard, well, that. <laughs> just saying those words. Well, the the, uh, the fortune cookie thing is funny too because like I can't even imagine Mark Davis being that witty. Like, cl- yeah. <laughs> Like I don't think Mark Davis has it in him to like to to be, to that, be that that just uh, that petty and that and, is like so cunning. petty and like uh, just beyond it. Yeah. Um, USC Glenn in the chat says I'm loving these two hour shows. We have officially hit the two hour mark. We start every episode with okay, we're not going we, to we're we're going nice, to be quick, tight, tight, tight yeah. hour long episode. We, we have a little uh, interpod chat going that is usually like. Here, I'll, I'll just read you some things. Uh, don't forget to turn on the slides, dumbass. <laughs> That's um, not what I said. Oh, yeah, yeah, you I just said, said turn on slides. Yeah, but I added the dumbass yeah. there. Um, and then you're like, don't forget, there's a super chat. 
in all caps, there's a super chat. <laughs> yeah. And then there, we'll, we'll just put like FF, like, okay, fast forward through this part. Hurry up. Hurry up. Timing. Uh, so like we're saying these things to each other back and forth <laughs> as the thing goes. Um, and we try to tell each other that we're not going to. Uh, we're not going to go two We're going to stick to an hour today. And then here we are. Two On hours. Monday, it's more of a thing because I'm working. And it's like, okay, we got okay, we to go. We got to go. On Wednesdays, it's like, ah, uh, screw it. Yeah. Screw it. And now here we are. It's it's 7 o'clock. And uh, Kenny says we've gone through the uh, the World Series game. Um, yeah. Do I want to Google what the score? Top of the 7th. Top of the 7th, one oh. nothing. one nothing. It, it sucks because... Uh, Gallon was working on a, a no-hitter for a while there. Yeah. Uh, Dan says, I haven't even heard Michael's mouse click once. Is that a thing? Do you guys hear my mouse? It might be my mouse that you hear. My mouse. It's probably great. yours. Yeah. yeah. You're the one that's always clicking away over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up there. We've, we've, we've been on long. You guys uh, have been awesome. Uh, as always, the chat is not crushing disappointment. No, the chat is not. the 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 chat is that's what the chat <laughs> is. So, uh, all right, we will. Uh, Dan says yes. The here's just clicking. That's that's Alicia. It's probably me. In the in the audio only episodes, we I try to scrub those things. So, um, help our people listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For another reason why you should, uh, you know. Ch- chime in with the with the review but uh we will be back uh saturday night uh late saturday night because we'll be at the game and then g- going home after that to do the car cast so uh sc and washington locking horns 4 30 p.m on abc uh it's fowler and kirk on the call love that uh absolutely love that but uh it's a big one uh no football reason for sc to win the game so we'll see what happens uh which means that they probably We'll see. Uh, be sure to make your over under picks. And until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.